You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. Let's get our Bibles out. We've got some stuff to do today. We've got a little work to do. In fact, there's going to be a message, and then what we're going to do is we're going to follow that up with answering a couple of our questions. Me and Ryan are going to spend just a a few moments answering some questions that got sent in concerning stewardship, concerning finances. And they were good questions uh, that were, I I felt, related to the group uh, as a whole. And so we want to take time and, and answer that. But I want to kind of just... Fill us in about where we've been, get us up to today, and then go forward. Is that okay? All right, so let's do this. Let's turn our Bibles. Where do I want you to go? Because we could go a bunch of different places, but let's go here. Let's go to Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 13. You there? All right. Such a good day. Isn't it a good day? Such a good day. You know, before I do this, can I, uh, 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 Lily and Benny, can I bother you just for a moment? I know you're there like, did he just say our names? I did. Can, can we pray for you? Is that possible? Uh, she is about to pop, right? I mean, so like, I, I literally asked her, I, I said, I said, so when are you, when are you, you do? And she looked at her watch and I was like, oh, really? Okay. So like, so like today, so it could be like, we're like within that week time frame, right? So can we just kind of pray for them? Huh? Can we just pray for them? I'm not even, I'm not, I'm, trust me, I've learned over the years. I'm not going to ask a pregnant woman to get up, walk all the way up here, and then walk all the way back. I'm not doing that. I've learned my lesson, right? I got kicked in the knee too many times. Well, let's just stretch our hands out towards them. Can we do that? Do we have time for this? We do. I told her if she has it here this morning, it'll be awesome. Natural church growth, right there. Ryan, count that one too. (laughs) Come on, let's just begin to pray. Moms, pray for her. Dads, pray for him. Come on. He has no idea what he's walking into. He has no idea. Thank you, Father. If you're at home, I'd ask you to join in and pray. We're just praying for a young couple that are getting ready to have a little one. So join in with us. We have time for this, church. This isn't a show. Father, I just thank you right now. I just thank you for a complete, uh, peaceful transition. And transition, by the way, of I am, it's here and now it's in my arms. And so all of that, everything in the middle. Father, we just pray for just a peaceful, beautiful transition. Father, I pray for for strength, um, for for rest, um, for him not to take things personally. Uh, When this goes down, it's not about you, man. Father, give him peace. Father, we just thank you that that this family is going to bring this child in and honor you with everything and point this child to you and, and give you all the glory. So we thank you for it. We thank you for being part of this. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. amen. Well, where did I tell you to go? There we go. Come on now. We're getting some energy back in us. 
We're getting some energy back in us. We're going to get there. We're not there yet, so just kind of hang out there with me. Is that all right? A couple of weeks ago, we started. I'm parched. Isn't that right? Is that paper or is that thirsty? I don't know what the... Is that right? Okay. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we started a series uh, called The Blessed Life, or it's based on a book called The Blessed Life. How many of you ever heard this book? If you haven't heard this book, uh, I might actually look into seeing and, and talk to Ryan about maybe even maybe making that book available to everybody in the church. It's a, it's a beautiful foundational book that we're just kind of, what, scratching the surface of some of this stuff? I mean, we're digging out the, the big chunks of truth, but, but there's a whole book that goes along with this, and it's by a great writer, and it's really well done. Um, and so, but we started this, and basically the foundation of this is just talking about openly talking about biblical stewardship and finances. Because I don't know about you, we talk about emotional stuff, we talk about our mental health when it comes to God, we talk about lordship in every area, but, but this, is, this area of our life is, we deal with it every day. There's rarely a day, and I pray for these days, that, that, that I'm not dealing with money on a daily basis. That's a win, Right, but it's a rarity, right? It's a rarity that that money isn't going out. In fact, it goes out more than it comes into me sometimes, right? And so we've been talking about that that there is a biblical principle concerning our finances and God. If God ordered everything, then He He didn't leave this area out, and that's the good news. And it and that means now follow me on this. That means if He ordered it. And we saw back from the beginning that he, when he put everything in order and he said, this is good. That means if he puts order to it, it's a good order and you can trust it. And so at the beginning, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just going to really, really, I mean, I'm going to pare this down. But a couple of weeks ago, starting in week one of the blessed life or stewardship, whatever we want to call that, we began to talk about the heart, the personal aspect of the finances, and, and really, we kind of we dealt with the problem first. We kind of dealt with that the Holy Spirit knew that we as created beings, when it comes to finances, there's going to be a problem. He was not caught off guard by this. He, was not, he, he wasn't surprised that you struggle and I struggle with lordship issues when it comes to finances. In fact, he puts it in one of the most quoted passages In Proverbs of all time, I know I told you to go somewhere, but I want you to see this. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. How many have heard that? Oh my goodness, we got t-shirts and coffee mugs, but guess what he just said right after that? If you jump down to verse 9, after verse 5, he says, And honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits, and with all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. God and the Holy Spirit realized, listen, there's going to be a struggle between your understanding and my plan. And I need to let you know that when your understanding gets weird, I need you to lean on me. I need you to trust me on this because what I'm going to ask you to do is not going to make sense to you. But I need you to know I've got a plan here. 
And then he shows us the blessing in this, okay? Are you following me on that? So we dealt with our problem. Then we kind of laid some biblical foundation that, that giving and tithing isn't just an Old Testament thing. We talked about Leviticus, but we also talked about the fact that it was pre-Leviticus, that there were offerings and tithes given prior to that. We also talked about Matthew chapter, I think it was a 23. Matthew 23, that Jesus, it, it, we always, I hear people say that it's not a New Testament thing, it's only an Old Testament thing, but Jesus calls that out and basically deals with it there and says, no guys, it's still here. But then we got to the heart of it. We made it personal. We said, so, so what is this whole thing about? Is it just about the 10%? And then we realized, no, it's not because we look at Acts chapter 2 and we see the heart of the foundation of the church and the heart of the foundation of the churches and they were all gathered together and they sold property and stuff so that nobody was in lack. See, we think it's just about a 10% issue and God's going, no, I'm not going after 10%. I'm going after the heart. I, I, I want you to trust me with everything. See, we think it's about these blue buckets. This is way more. This is practical application, but he's going after the personal heart, right? And so we dealt with that, and, and we, we struggled over some things of what God was trying to work in us and work out of us, and there's only certain ways that God can work in and out of us. He worked out of a selfishness and works into a selflessness. He works out of a self-righteousness and works into us his righteousness. Why? So that he can be glorified. That was week one. Week two, Ryan picked it up, and he just took the ball and just ran with it. He did so good. Ryan is so good at taking things that are, that are sometimes we, that are kind of up here, and, and he just goes, let me just put them down on the paper. Let me just give you some practical, hard truths and go, let, let's just look what the Word says. And he dealt with Malachi, right? And he dealt with the test, and he dealt with the fact that God's not testing your money. It's, it's, he's going, listen, it's a lordship issue. And he talked about the test, about how God wants to, he's saying, listen, I'm not testing you. I want you to test me in this. Like, I got you. I need you to know that this plan that I've orchestrated is, is good. I'm going to show you and prove to you that it's good. And he laid out some, some other things that he talked about. Wow, uh, because I don't want to miss it. He broke down the, the tithe compared to offering, right? Going from that the tithe is a 10%, that offering's on top of that. Uh, we talked about the test. He talked about the difference between being pacified and, and trusting God. Like all of these things. It was just practical. How many of you were here for that? Raise your hand so I can see. Ryan was here. I know that. Okay, we got you. So there were three people in the crowd that day. Right? Raise your hand if you were here. If you have not heard this as your pastor, I am begging you. It is up on the podcast right now. Go back and listen to it. Okay? Because he does a great job of just taking some things that, I have to be honest with you, in the church, sometimes we can take these principles and we can manipulate them to fit our own thing. Ryan just said, what does the word say? Let's just land there. Man, that's safe, isn't it? What does the word say? Let's land there and trust that. So now that brings us up to today. And I just want to leave us with this because we've got the personal, we've got the practical, but now I want to show you the spiritual aspect of this. I told you to go to Luke chapter 16. Ryan, I told you to tackle me. Ryan, I told you to tackle me if I go long. Okay? But be gentle. I'm frail, dude. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a delicate flower. 
Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 13, this is a passage that all of us know. We're going to deal with the spiritual aspect of giving here, okay? Because there is a heart issue that God's going after. And we're like, well, that's spiritual. No, no, no. That's a personal thing that he's chasing down. Then they're practical to walk this out, walking it out in the church, walking it out, giving and offerings, all that stuff. But now I need you to understand something here. There is a spiritual war. A spiritual war that is going on when it comes to our finances. Like, I didn't know I was at a spiritual war. I'm glad you didn't know that. I'm about to let you know what's going on. In Luke chapter 16, it says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will do what? Hate the one. Come on, are you looking at it? You will either do what? Hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot... And this is where the NIV lets us down. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do both. You can't serve both God and money. You know this is one of the only times where God deals with two servants other than ourself. Meaning that like when God deals with lordship, it's always that self issue. This is one of the only other times where God's like, there is another war out here. And it's a war. And here's the problem. When we read, because most of us have the NIV, we read that word money. It's not money. Everybody have a wallet? You you take your wallet out or your purse out. How many of you have a dollar or a $20 bill? Ryan, do you have any cash on you? Does anybody have any cash on you? Can I have some cash? This is a test right now. (laughs) Will you or will you not get it back? What in the goodness... What, you're just handing out, she's just walking out with stacks. What is going on here? Goodness gracious. So everybody see this? When God says, and when this passage is talking about, when Jesus says you cannot serve God and money, he's not talking about this. And in fact, the, the translation should be that you cannot serve God and mammon. Well, what is mammon? Because we don't talk about mammon, right? Mammon is simply this. It's, a, it's an Aramaic word for the essential meaning of riches. In fact, it was a spirit, the spirit of mammon. It was a worship idol. And so we think that God is angry at this stuff. This stuff right here is amoral, meaning it's not amoral, it's amoral. Meaning this, there's nothing good or inherently bad about this. You know why? I can buy drugs with this. Right? Or I can also give to a missionary. It, has, it doesn't know what it's doing. Right? So this isn't inherently bad, but there's something attached to this that's also wants to be attached here that causes this to possibly be bad. Are you following me on this? We always get mad of, oh, God's just mad at the money and, 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 the, and the church just wants the money. This is a bigger war than this $20 bill. Let me talk about mammon just for a second so that we understand this. Because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we have questions to answer. And I also don't want to be tackled by Ryan. When the Bible talks about you cannot serve mammon or God, you can't do both. Why is that? Because the spirit of mammon attaches itself to money. Why does it do that? Because this is a practical tool, right? How many of you know that the enemy can attach yourself to your thought life? 
We're okay with that, right? Huh? There are books, hundreds of Christian books written about the battlefield of the mind, the war of the mind, all of these things, taking control of all your thoughts, bringing things, every thought under the lordship of Christ. We're okay with the fact that the enemy might actually attach to those kind of thoughts, but the second we go, oh, the enemy's not attached to this, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. No, let me just tell you something. The spirit of mammon is attaching something that's in the natural that we use every day in the practical to take a spiritual war against your life. That's heavy, man. All of a sudden, this isn't just about a $20 bill. This is a doorway that if I'm not careful and I'm not biblically watching this doorway, if I'm not careful about how I operate in lordship and biblically when it comes to stewardship, I possibly, possibly might be allowing the enemy to use this as a doorway into control of my life. Whoa. All of a sudden now, this money isn't just money. It's possibly a doorway into who gets control and who am I devoted to. Those are heavy words. Jesus didn't mince words when he talked about devotion and serving. And he only talked about God in that. But he's saying something's coming through this to get us. And so, so, so why? So let's answer the question why real quickly. Why would the enemy want to use this as a doorway in? Well, it's very simple. If the spirit of mammon attaches it to this, what does it do? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some pretty heavy words right now. The spirit of mammon is what we would consider or call the spirit of the Antichrist. Not the Antichrist. Follow me on this. And I know some of us, man, we love those kind of words because we're like, yeah, let's talk about the Antichrist. I know who it is. It's that guy down in Cuba. It's that guy over there. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spirit. Meaning, I'm talking about a spirit, meaning a thought process, a way of doing things, an angle on something. The spirit of man is the anti-Christ. It is the anti, meaning opposite of the way God would want. You follow me on this? So what happens is, is the spirit of mammon attaches itself to this. We're not practically living in lordship with this and don't understand the, the, the battlefield here. And so because of that, now what it does is it comes in that spirit, not the money, that thing comes in and it takes the place of what God should be the only thing doing in your life. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chris? What does this represent? Give me some words that just, when you think about, man, if I had all the money in the world, and do not be good little halo Christians right now and fake it, because I know what you're thinking. If I, when you hear the sentence, man, if I had all the money in the world, I would be what? I'd be secure. What else? Rich. What else? Huh? I get some status, right? This could get me somewhere, right? What else? I could retire, right? I could finally rest. This gives me rest. This gives me the ability. Well, and I love that the fact that none of you have thrown out happy. Oh, yeah. Because I would never say that, Pastor Chris. I'm righteous. Whatever. How many of you walked, drove down the, how many of you had driven down the road, looked up at that Powerball and been like, and started already spending everything on that sign? I would do this, I would do this, I would do this. And none of you start with, I'd build a church, I'd give this. It's like, I'm going to do a boat. No, I'm getting three boats, right? I'm getting six houses. Why? Because that stuff makes me what? Happy. Happy. And you wonder why 
that the spirit of mammon would use this as a doorway to set up anti-Christ mindsets and cause us to devote ourselves to this where God should only be in that place. See, when I put my trust in this, when I put my trust in this, I, I, my trust can only be in one, two things, right? Trust is, it's, 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 it's all around. I'm in. I'm in on this. Well, God should be my security. God should be my joy. God should be my provision. God should be my security. God should be my rest, right? But all of a sudden, we wonder and we go, well, but, but that's what this is for. And that's people in the church. I'm not talking about the worldly sinner that's just throwing their money around. No, I'm just I'm talking about row four, seat six. Who is sitting in that seat right now? Okay, oh, they left it open. Smart, smart. But I want you to see that this is the why. This is the why that this spirit, this is amoral. This is never bad. Because I can walk in lordship and truth and I can serve God with this. I can serve God. I can be honored with it. And God can even increase this in me and it still not be bad. Do you understand that a child of God gaining wealth is not the devil? Remember what I said that the, that the message or the opposite message of prosperity where we are the self-focused thing of the prosperity message is not poverty. It's not poverty. It doesn't have to be one or the other. There is a middle ground where I see this as a tool from God. I see this not only as, as something, this isn't my source. God didn't say, you need to get more of this or lose less of this. He just said, honor me with this, and I'll bless it, and I'll use it. Why? For my name's sake. For my name's sake. I'll do this in you, child. Why? Because I'm a good dad, but the end result is for my name's sake. Now, let's look at this one last thing, and then I'm going to ask Ryan to come up here. So, so, so how, do we, how do we push back against this? Uh, number one, I want you to see this, that the blessing of the Lord, this is in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. You don't have to go there, but it says this. The blessing of the Lord uh, brings wealth without painful toil with it. My goodness, when we serve this, or we spur the spirit behind this, that spirit of mammon, how many of you have served this and it just brings more toil? I just got to work harder to get more of this because I can't seem to get enough of this to fill that void that only God can fill. You follow me on this? So how do we fight back with that? I'm glad you asked me that. Well, the, the, the real answer to that is simply this. Number one, we have to realize, like, like Ryan taught in Psalms, I think it was 24 verse 1, that everything is God's that everything is God's already. So I'm just a steward of that. That right there automatically, automatically fights against that spirit of the enemy that wants to take this and use it, manipulate it against me. Right? Because I'm saying, wait a second, you can't come in there. This is already his anyway, so I'm just going to honor him. That already takes that down. Second thing is simply this. How do we fight back against that? I'm glad you asked that. Go to Psalms chapter 9. It says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, 
I will tell you, I will tell, I love this, I will tell of all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Well, the enemy, the enemy of the enemy is thankfulness. The enemy of the enemy is being able to be thankful for what God has placed in my hand. Because when I give him thanks, I'm reconnecting the fact that I know who gave it to me. I know whose it is. I know he's got a plan for it. And if he's got a plan for it, it's got to be good. So I can trust in it. So I'm going to go around not talking about all of this stuff I made that got me all these trinkets. If I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about it so that God gets all the glory and all the honor. See, that's the combatant against that spirit of man. man. Are you guys seeing this? So there is a personal side. God is going after your heart. There is a practical application of how we walk this out. And the last thing is, is there is a spiritual battle that we have minimized so much, and that's why the enemy has the open door. And we have to beat that thing down. Now, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Ryan to come up here because we're going to answer a couple of questions. Are you still with me? Because the questions that we're going to answer... They're good, and they're solid, and they think, I think they need to be publicly answered about certain things, and then we're going to close. Is that fair? Yes. I know some people would say, why are you spending this time? Because God wants a mature church. That's why. God wants a mature church, and we can't touch on this stuff and not deal with it in a heavy way. We can't. I want to be mature in my finances, Right? Do you guys want to be mature in your finances? Corey, do you want to be mature? This is how we do it. We don't just hope for the best, right? Boy, I hope those kids grow up well. you got to do some stuff, man. So let me just pray for us as we jump into these questions. Father, I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful that you have given us uh, direction. I'm so thankful that, that we don't have to come up with our own ideas. I'm thankful that we can rest in your word. Father, as we get ready to jump into these questions, Father, I pray that our ears are open to these things, our hearts are receptive, that we can look at this and apply. Even if we didn't ask the question, we can see how it applies to our own life and act accordingly. Why? So that we can reveal you in a greater way and use our finances to do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Ryan, are you ready for this? Let's go. I'm, I'm ready too, man. I think Rasani's got you turning on. Hold on a second. Is this your water? This is mine? Yes. Yes. Whose $20 bill was this? Oh, that's Ryan's too. Look at that. I think it's yours too. I'm just kidding. Is that on? Can you hear me okay? Uh, it's great. Is it muted? Can you hear me now? We're going to get this because we got this. Everybody doing all right? Everybody look to your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. We're maturing up. This is the same thing that they dealt with in the early church. Microphones went out on Paul and Peter all the time. All the time. But I need to make sure that Ryan can, can hear this. There we go. Look at that. We're back. We have power. Okay. Oh, we Question. prayed that demon right out of that. Enneagram 3 coming out. I'm just... I'm just shooting right I there. I love that. I Best love Chris it. will just keep talking. I'm boom. We're going to it. Okay, question number one. Good. Let's leave. And again, these are all questions that came in through Clearstream, through the tech That's service. Right. And I want to thank you for being a part of that. No doubt. So thanks for the questions. Number one, what is a first fruit offering and where do we stand as a church regarding this teaching? It's good. Anybody ever heard that question of first fruits? Anybody? Raise your hand real high so I can see. I want to know what I'm dealing with. The first fruits offering, right? 
So if you want to, we'll address that real quickly because that's kind of an easy one. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10. And you're going to see it. I think it's also in Ezekiel. But it says, when you come uh, into the land, which I give you, and, and reap its harvest, when you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits, and none of you have sheaves anymore, when you bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest, bring it to the priest, right? And so let me just address that real quick, that, that mindset. The, I am never going to say that there is something uh, biblically wrong with bringing any type of first fruits offering. You understand there's never a bad time to trust God. There's never a bad time to bless God. So we're not talking about this. What I want to address is the teaching of the first fruits offerings because as a church, I've seen this be manipulated. I've seen this be manipulated because what they do is, is people will read that passage and say, you have to bring your first fruits offering, meaning like, and people say your first paycheck of the year, whatever that is, you get a new job, that first check. I have no problem with you trusting God with that. You want to give to God? Great. But where it gets manipulated is they go, you got to go give that to the priest, right? And I've seen that where churches will say, no, 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 you got to give that first offering to the priest. Well, the problem is, is the priest in this time frame represented a structure, right? Just like we talked about before, where we talked about you bring those tithes into the, uh, to the priest, into the Levites, right? And then they have to tithe off of that. That was the system. We are in the church age, right? So when you hear priest, I am no longer the priest. I am your pastor, right? You're talking about the house. The priests were representing the house of God at the time. Where it gets manipulated is uh, we as a church, are, I'm not going to ever ask you, bring your first fruits offering and give it to me and you'll be blessed. You want to give off your first fruits? That's great. I think there's biblical foundation for it, but for us, I'm never going to tell you that you have to put it into my hand for now it to be blessed because I don't think that that's a biblical argument behind that. Good? Amen. All right. That all right, everybody? Yeah. Okay, number two. Next question is this. Oh, I'll just let that one sink in for a second. Let that one marinate just a little bit. It says this. What if I cannot afford to tithe? It's a heavy question. Ryan, I'm going to let you take that you one. You sure? I am. Got this? Yeah. I'm going to let you take that one. No, this is a great question, and we've all been there. I know there's been points in my life where it's just, you get a paycheck, you get all your bills, you need food, obviously. There's so much to pay for. You know, you've got to have that iPhone. You've got to have all those meals out. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm not kidding, actually. But, uh, but it's a great question because we've all been in that spot where it takes, it takes money to tithe. It takes, yeah. it takes sacrifice. And when I think of so much of my walk with God, it's sacrifice, right? We wake up in the morning. We have to choose to read our Bible. We have to choose to pray. We have to sacrifice. Well, our tithe is no different. I truly believe that by tithing, even if we think we can't afford to do it, we have to trust him. It's just like, just like in Malachi. You know, when I, I kind of dug in it a couple weeks ago, he says, test me in this. You're sitting there with your paycheck. You're sitting there with your bank account, and you're adding up your bills, and you're looking at what you're going to need. Well, there's an opportunity where you have to look before the heavens and say, God, I, I don't see it on paper, but I know you're a supernatural God. I know you do supernatural things. And I'm trusting you that I'm going to give you my 10%. I've got this 90% that I'm going to be a good steward of and that you're going to do supernatural things with. I believe it 100%. I've seen it time after time after time in my life. But at the same point, there's a practicality of being wise with that 90%. You know, you go on four vacations in a year. You, you know, you're out to eat five times a week. Like, you have to be wise. I'm not saying that 
going on four vacations in a year is bad. I would love to be in that position. Or going out to eat every night is bad because none of that is bad. No, it's, it's great. It's when you're sacrificing, you're choosing to do that by by passing out on something else yeah. you, that God's called you to do. You, Ryan, Ryan brought up a, a great word when we were kind of talking these things through. And, and the word that you used was prioritizing. And that's something that we don't like. Prioritizing takes honesty with self, right? I mean, doesn't it? Like, I mean, and we kind of have such an Americanized gospel that, and we say, oh, no, no, but I have to have this because I'm American, right? And I deserve this, right? No, no, I can't do life without this or I can't have life without this. And the reality of it is when it comes to, I don't know if I have enough. Well, I'll be honest with in mine and Sonia's life, and, and we were not always excellent at this. This is, I didn't grow up with this truth. I did not. I didn't grow up with any truth really in this area. And so there were things that God had to work in me. And I would be that guy. I would be that guy like, nope, don't have enough. And then I had to be, finally had to be honest with myself and look and look at the budget. 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 I had to actually have a budget first to then look at the budget, right? And to be honest with myself about, oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. What, what's really being prioritized? And I'm going to be honest with you. And I, the second I said priorities, I could literally feel in the room, everybody just kind of went, Get off that. What, I don't know what you're touching there, but get off that right there. We don't like that, right? Because as our priorities are just like, I want, I get. I have money, I get. That's what we do. I do that. I, I've done that. And so I, I, I remember you saying that, and I just thought that was a great, I, 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 I was a little bit upset with it when you said it first, prioritize, because then I had to go back and check my own priorities, but it was good. Well, one thing I'd add to that, and I learned this in my 20s, is when you look at, when you look at other couples and individuals and other families, where they spend their money is a lot of where their value is. Like, you could probably think of a, a family that loves to, to eat out at a restaurant a bunch. I'm sitting right here. You don't do I'm that I'm sitting that right here. Or like somebody that really likes to have nice clothes. And like, you may not have to have the nicest clothes because that doesn't, you don't value spending your money on yeah. that type of thing. Or vacations, whatever it may be. Like, there's certain things that we value more than others. And the word says we have to value our relationship with him and what he's called and, and asked us to do. And biblical stewardship. That's good. That's good. Does that help everybody? Yeah. All right. Question number three. Three. You still with us? Yeah. Is this all right? Because yeah. we're going to keep going. We, we've got 50 of these. We're just going to keep going until everybody, the last person leaves. All right. all right? He's kidding. We have three questions left. It has been taught that tithing is an Old Testament concept, specifically the law. Okay. Okay. Some would point to 2 Corinthians 9 seven okay. as a foundation for New Testament giving. Okay. Is tithing a relevant practice for today's church? Okay, so do me a favor. Do you guys have your Bibles? Because I think this is a passage that we all know. We all know and we've heard this. And this is such a great question because it's such a good heart question. Go, go, just go there with me. And you don't have to put it up on the screen. They've got, they've got their phones. We saw them pull them out earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and in fact, actually, you can start in verse 6, truthfully. And I'll just read this section of it, because this is what, they're, what, we're, what the question's about. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, verse 7 says this, and, and this is where the concept gets thought in of, of this is the mindset of New Testament giving. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I totally agree with that. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. 
And what happens is this. How many of you ever heard that passage? Raise your hand. Okay? So we've heard that passage. And as a standalone passage, it's very easy to make that kind of a doctrinal statement. See, the God of the New Testament is only concerned about if I choose, as long as, as I've made what I want to make in my heart, if I've chosen to give it, and I didn't do it under compulsion, me and God are good. That's the New Testament mindset when it comes to giving. The only problem with that, and, and I, this isn't, I'm not saying problem in like a gotcha moment, but the only problem with that is, is that we have to look at the word in context, right? And so the good thing is, is that the word teaches the word. And if you look at the whole, and I'm not going to read through it, but if you look at the whole of the word, in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, chat, what is it? Uh, I just looked. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, who is writing this, the whole context of this chapter is not anything to do with tithing. In, in fact, the only thing that this chapter is concerning is about the fact that Paul is talking to the church and talking about an offering that they had promised to take up, a, 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 an offering for his ministry, like, like a missionary offering, right? He's saying, this is the offering that... And he's actually talking to the guys with him and going, hey guys, I've told them all about you I've told them that you're good givers. And in fact, in the first chunk of that, uh, of that I think it's in uh, verse 3, it says, but I'm sending, this is Paul speaking, but I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in the matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready. So what Paul's talking about here and what this chapter and what this verse is talking about is, is Paul's going, hey guys, I've told these people that are coming with me that you've already prepared this offering that you said you wanted to do so I'm sending some guys ahead of me to get it all together so that when we get there, we don't have to collect it under compulsion. We don't have to do anything that looks forced. And that's why he says, I want each of you, if you've promised and said, this is what I'm going to give, do that in your heart. Because I don't want to do this under compulsion. And God loves the cheerful giver. That is not in context when it comes to the tithe. This is an outside of that a statement concerning that. So does it, I could go deeper, but does that answer that question for everybody? Does that help anybody with that? Okay, good. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is, especially that conversation about the law is, like, we, we look at, and Pastor Chris kind of touched on this, Genesis 14, Abraham tithe. Genesis 28, Jacob tithe. I mean, Abel even, if you look in the scripture in the beginning of Genesis, you could even see that Abel was giving his first fruits to God. And then as, as we talked about in Matthew 23, Jesus specifically says, yes, do this, tithe, but also is faithfulness and, yeah. and mercy. and Don't miss out on the other right, stuff. Right, don't miss out on the other stuff. So context is so, so important yeah, when it, it comes is. to the word. And, and the context, truthfully, and that's, and again, even to think back towards like the fruits, the first fruits thing. If we're not careful in context, we can hurt the church. I mean, even as teachers, we can actually hurt and manipulate the church, but we can do it from both sides. We can, we can manipulate you to giving everything to me, or I can manipulate you and take off the context of, of what God, I can take off the context of what God's still asking us to do and, me, and us hurt us in that way. It's amazing. Hurting the, the, the body of Christ doesn't always mean that we're, we're stealing from, sometimes it's stealing the opportunity from people to be a part of something. The last thing I would say to that is, is we, we look at the Old Testament and we think, well, Jesus came and, and he died on the cross. Like, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, guys. Right. He came to fulfill the law. I've heard that. 
you know, it's, he, he didn't say, okay, now you can steal. Now you can murder. Now you can do all those things. He wants more from us. He wants our hearts. So, okay, that's it's gonna all be a I got. Crazy weekend. It's going to be a crazy weekend. Next question. You guys still with us? When tithing, I love this question. When tithing 10%, can the 10% be divided between the local church and other ministries? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm not going to take that one. All right, that's a really I'll good question. I'm just going to just dig right into what Malachi says. And again, this is the Lord speaking. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. So this is the Lord. This is pre-Jesus. Uh, um, and this is... God talking through Malachi, and he just dings in, and he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and the storehouse is, is the local church. God specifically designed a way that we could give, that we could have that covenant with him, with the local church, and that's, that's just what I dig in. That's what I have practiced. That's sure. what I believe. It's so, so much of this is testimony, guys. Like I wouldn't be sitting up here today if I didn't see God do supernatural things through my life and through my wife's life and our family's life in this area. And I just trust him in that. And I've tested him even when it's been really hard. And he's been there. Yeah. And I just want others to be able to be in that same position. And, that's so. a, and this is a tough one. And, 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 I'm just, and there, there's a heart of this, too, that I want to just point out. And, and I know some of us are not going to like this, but it always comes back to the heart of it. It's that I'm going to get to choose where I put it. I know God set this structure in place, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose where I want this to go. And, and so that, even that heart thing, again, we've already just kicked in the head that God's not after the 10%. God's after, I'll sell everything for you, Father, whatever you want. So this isn't about this, but there is a structure that he goes, hey, this is my plan, and are we going to trust being in that plan? So it, there, is a, there is a heart issue when it comes to that. And, and, and that's kind of that whole thing of we can be doing the things that God wants, but we, we might be doing them out of order or we might be doing them in a different way. Sure. And the tithe, and the tithes obviously are, are the, the offerings, excuse me, the offerings are spirit led. And it yeah. even says that in the word. It's like, this is, we want you to, the, the word wants you to tithe, but then also that other 90%, we have to be wise with it. And also we have to be willing to give. Yeah. And that's what he calls us That's so us good, to. man. That's so good. Everybody's right. still with us? Last question. Last question. Everybody say last question. Last question. Is this good for everybody? Oh, huh? Four people. I've always this. said if there's four people, we're doing a good work. If I get four yeses, I don't. It's fine. We're doing a good work. All right. This is a. There's this, one. This is a good one here. I'm gonna let, definitely let Pastor Chris take this one. What advice would you have for couples who are in a disagreement about tithing? Well, that never happens, ever. <laughs> Nobody ever gets in a disagreement when it comes to their spouse and finances. Never happens. So this is obviously a, a, a fictitious question. Uh, so we'll just have to guess. Uh, I'll just have to kind of build that scenario in my head. The first thing I would say is this, and I, I think if we could go back to Ephesians um, chapter 5. And so let's just deal with this from a couple of different angles, okay? A couple of different angles on this. Let's say it's a, let's just talk about two believers. These are two born-again believers. They're saved. They're in church. And let's say the husband says, I, I believe that we should tithe, okay? I believe that we should tithe. This is what we should do. And this is where you guys are going to love me. I would look to Ephesians chapter 5 where it says this. Wives, do what? Yeah, okay? And, but, but, there's a caveat to that. 
I'm, 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 and I'm doing this just so that I don't get punched later, okay? There's a caveat in this. Because the Bible then says later on in Ephesians, or later on in that same chapter, that the, that the husband should love the wife and honor the wife like Christ loved the church. Not only that, washing her with the word, serving her. So here's the thing, husbands. If you're on and you're like, yep, we're going to do this. I'm going to tell you something. You can dishonor God by being a, a dictator in your home when it comes to your finances. And just because this isn't what God wants. God does not want you just going, we're going to do this and you're going to submit to me. That's not love. You need to serve. You need to, if your wife is not on the same page, bring her along. Serve her in the word. Wash her with the word. Pray for her. Love her. Don't just demand because that's not what he did. You follow me on this? So then what if it's the husbands? What if, what if it's the husbands that are out of order? Well, let me speak to you guys. Number one, guys, if you're the priest of your homes, right? If you're the priest of your homes and you're like, nope, I'm not going to do this, but the wives are saying, nope, I, I think we should, and it's causing strifes. I would say this, wives, you need to continue to pray, pray for your husbands. And the second thing is this, husbands, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, I don't believe in this. And this is, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're sitting there saying, I don't want to do this. I'm being combative. Because if you're combative about this, let me just say this, men. If you're combative about this already, there is something, there's a bigger issue here. So if you're just off on this, if there's just like, I don't understand it, I don't know if I agree with it, then men, you need to get with other men and let other men talk to you and let's work through the word. Let's let the word work on you. Wives, continue to pray. Wives, continue to pray through this. But men, if you are a part of a church, say if there's anything in the Bible, not just giving and finances, but if there's anything in the Word that you're in disagreement about or I don't see that the same way, then there should be an openness to you instead of just, well, I'm just going to go find a church that fits the way I think. That's insane. You just get with other men and let's dig through the Word and go, what does the Word say? Let's all grow together, men. Let's all grow together. Now, I would add one more piece to this. If you're in a marriage or if you're in a situation where husband, wife, whatever, and there is, is an unbeliever and a believer, I would say this. I would tell you this, that the, the, bigger, the, the bigger hope in all of this is for the unbelieving spouse to come to Christ. And I would never use giving or tithing as the wedge that pushes them away from Christ. What I'm saying is, is I'm not minimizing what the word says. I'm not telling you to disobey the word. I'm saying, I'm saying don't be combative. If you're, if you're a, a husband and your wife isn't a believer and you're just throwing it in her face that I'm just going to give to the church because that's what God's... You're, you're, you're a resounding gong. You could, be, you could be saying all the right things. You could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love and be a resounding gong in that situation. Are you following me on this? So it goes both ways. So I'm just asking you, whatever you do, whatever you're honoring God, just make sure you're doing it in love and you're not a resounding God, a resounding gong. The goal is for their hearts to be saved. Is that fair? Last thing I'll say about one last thing about the marriage thing is this, if you as a couple are off, and if you guys are not in agreement, I would encourage you to both get counseling. Because it's possible, possible, 
that maybe this is just an outward action of maybe some inward disagreement, that there's some trust issues there, that there might need to be some trust issues between husband and wife. And guess what? Welcome to the club. This does not mean your marriage is broken or falling apart. It's called marriage. Me and Sonia have been married for 25 years. She trusts me more now than she did the day we got married. I trust her more now than the day we got married. That didn't come just because I said I do. There were some trust things that we had to work through. And so there might be, what I'm saying is, is you guys might be putting this on the finance, but there might be a, a, a root issue of trust that I would just encourage you to get counseling, whether that's with me or somebody else, that, that we can just love you guys through that and maybe get to the heart and go, oh, it was a heart issue thing. It was a trust issue. We need to deal with that. And then all of a sudden, these other things come into line. I think that's what God would be honored by more so than you just, fi just finally go, fine, we'll give. No, I think, there's, I think there's maturity in a bunch of areas. So that's all the questions that we decided to answer. We can keep going. There's 100, and if you sent a question we didn't answer, or if, you, if you've got more questions and this leads to more questions, then ask. Because the goal of this whole thing is never to judge or attack or debate. The goal is for us all to walk in maturity. Why? For his name's sake. And I'm going to close with this last statement, and that is this. You could give all your money in this bucket. You could give everything to the poor, and he still wouldn't love you more than he already loves you. Christ died for you while you were his enemy. He didn't love you more because you gave in an offering. I'm saying that because I do not want the enemy to come in and try to attack and condemn Christ loved you while you were his enemy, not because you gave it an offering, not because you went to a mission field, not because you cut, served in nursery, which that might be biblical. He loved you while he was still his enemy. I don't want anybody to walk away and condemned. I want us walking away encouraged, and I want us walking away stepping towards maturity. Is that fair? Is that fair? Let's do this. Let's stand up. Come on. Man, I hope that's good. Thanks, Ryan. Great job, Ryan, right? Thanks for answering the questions I didn't want to, right? Thank you, I appreciate that, right? Let's pray before we leave. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you that for freedom in this house, you are mature, maturing us up. God, even in the things and you're uncovering things that we don't want to talk about, you're lifting back covers that you're like, oh, look away, look away. No, just lift them all. Lift them all, Why? so that we can be mature. For our sake, no, for yours. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday, guys. Have a great rest of your Sunday, Freedom Church. Love you guys. Thanks for joining. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.